hours ago coming through the valley, I think became a little more intense as it went over the blues. Um, because it lasted a little bit more than a half hour. Um, and uh, Carol and I came through that, but um, it uh, it was it was uh, snowing um, uh, snowing quite seriously for a while, but um, we we made it uh, made it well and uh, safe and sound and uh, it is uh, it's good to be with you. Good to see you again. And um, this morning, I want to begin the message with a question. Now, this question, I, at least to start with, I'd like for it to be a, rhetoric, a rhetorical question. Now, you know what that is, right? That's a question that the speaker asks that, that the speaker doesn't want to an answer out loud. <laughs> Just want you to think about it for a minute as I ask the question, and, um, and then we'll... We'll consider it this morning. Now, here's the question for the morning. Does it matter what a Christian wears to church? Don't answer out loud, please. <laughs> I know some of you are just dying to say something. Does it matter what a Christian Where's the church? Now, it, it was just not too long ago that I was talking with, uh, with a pastor, and this pastor was telling me about his own, uh, his own journey in his life. And um, he said to me, I, I remembered it well, and then after I went away, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. He said to me, several years ago, I decided I was going to stop wearing a suit and tie I did not want anyone to ever feel uncomfortable. I, I thought about that. Actually, when I thought about preaching this message and sharing this question with you this morning, I really did consider um, wearing my Wranglers and, and my Carhartt, because I do have those. And I will tell you, I feel just as comfortable in those as I do in a coat and a tie, or in a suit and a tie. Actually, some of you, now probably none of you know this, but I happen to have an academic robe. I've worn it. I feel comfortable in it. Um, not as comfortable as in my Wranglers, but I'm okay in it. So I began to wonder about this. I stopped years ago wearing any kind of a suit and tie because I didn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable when they came to church. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. So, so, so do these people feel uncomfortable when they go to a basketball game and the coaches are wearing a suit and tie? No, I don't. Maybe, the high, maybe John Day High School basketball, they don't, the coaches don't. But if you watch basketball on television. I mean, you know, the NCAA tournament just finished a month ago and almost all of the Division I college and almost all of the professional basketball coaches, they, they wear a suit and tie, right? I mean, right. You know, I just wondered, I just wondered, do, do they feel uncomfortable because a coach has a suit and tie on? I, I don't know. I wonder to myself, do they feel 
do, do they feel uncomfortable when they turn on the five o'clock or six o'clock news and the and and the person giving the news is is there in a in a coat and tie? I mean, we just boy, that makes me feel uncomfortable. So I'm not I'm not gonna watch the news anymore. Now it might not be a bad idea not to watch the news anymore, but maybe not for that reason. So it just got me thinking. Does it matter what a Christian wears to church? Now, I, in my own journey, um, I have um, I have learned to be comfortable in just about whatever setting I happen to be in. And so, as I said, if if I'm wearing my Wranglers and my cowboy boot, I I feel I I feel comfortable. Um. I will tell you that when I moved to Nampa uh, 19 years ago, I came from an area where I was very used to wearing clothes like this every day of the week, all 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 work day, and 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 a suit, not just a sport jacket, but a suit on Sunday. I mean that for years. Um, now, the pastor who followed me at Nampa First Church. Last Sunday, I happened to be there for Easter Sunday, and Kent was wearing a tie, didn't have a coat on, but was wearing a tie, and he said, somebody said to him, Pastor, is there a funeral? Because <laughs> Kent never wears a, a tie, except to a funeral. And um, he said, no, but there's been a resurrection. <laughs> and besides that, my wife told me I ought to wear a tie today. It's 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 been an interesting journey, but but then I then I look to scripture. Does it matter? Does it matter what a Christian wears to church? And what I would say to you is that it it does not matter whether you wear jeans or a suit. It does not matter whether you wear a dress or slacks. But Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, it does matter how you are dressed, how you are clothed. Now, hang with me, okay? Some of you, just at the first question, you turned me off. So come back with me, would you? Let's look at the Scripture. Colossians chapter 3, would you turn? If you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, I want to read a portion. Paul's instructions... Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to begin with verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, 
And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Amen. Paul says, it does matter what you wear. And here is how we should be clothed. He begins by giving us this, this list that, that sounds awfully familiar. It, 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 it isn't every word. It isn't com- the complete list of what he lists in Galatians chapter 5 of the fruits of the Spirit. But, but let me suggest to you that what Paul is talking about, what he's calling us to, is to clothe ourselves in the fruit of the Spirit. Again, look at it again, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, put on, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We are to wear. We are to put on the fruit of the Spirit, a life lived, clothed in the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Again, back to verse to verse 12, because you are chosen, because you are called to be holy, because you are dearly loved. Because, and 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 the therefore in chap, in, in verse 12 is is there for. A reason, go back up to verse 5 in chapter 3. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Uh, these things are, are why the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. This was the life you once lived. But now, rid yourself of, of, of all these things, of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self and its practices and have put on. You see the imagery again, the taking off and the putting on. You once were, but now you are. You are chosen. You are called to be holy. You are dearly loved by God. So, because you have put to death the old life, put off the old life, that which you once were, but now you are in Christ and put on, put on the fruit of the Spirit. Clothe yourselves. This, and this phrase here, clothe yourselves, it's in, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament language, in the language of the, the, the New Testament Greek, this particular word, clothe yourself, this, this action, is the verb is in the aorist tense, and I, you know, just, you, you either know it or don't, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's fine, just take my word for it, okay? It, it's, it's in the aorist tense, so it's not, it's not to have the image of what you do every day when you get up and you take a shower and you go to your closet and decide what you're going to wear today. So, I guess I'm going to wear this today, or... I guess I'm going to wear that, or for some of us, your wife tells you what it is you're supposed to wear today, or whatever. 
it's not the putting off and taking off, uh, taking off and putting on and taking, and and you know, and I'm going to wear this for this occasion. I'm going to wear this for this occasion. This 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 clothe yourselves in 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 the heiress tense. The heiress verb means put it on and keep it on. Don't just come to church on Sunday morning with your face all nicely shined and washed and have compassion and love and kindness and all of that. And then Monday, go to work and it's the old way. No. Clothe yourselves in the fruit of the Spirit. So so what are these? Let me, let me, let me talk just a moment about each of them. Clothe yourselves, he says, with compassion. Compassion. As a Christian, put on compassion. A a heart and eyes that see others and truly steps into their world and cares about them. And then he says, put on kindness. I, I maybe have even said it. I've said it all across this district now, and I'm I'm finishing up 12 years, so I've said a lot of things, a lot of places. Now I'm kind of been long enough at it. I forget what I've said every place I've been. But, but, but one of the things that that amazes me is how often the Apostle Paul writes to the New Testament church and says to them, "Be kind to each other." Now, the New Testament church, you know, that church that we all say we all want to be. You know, I mean, that's everybody writes about the New Testament church, and we want a New Testament church. And, I, and, and yet, Paul, time and time and time again, you've, you've studied Paul's writings, his letter. I mean, he said over and over and over again, he tells the New Testament Christians to be kind to each other. I, <laughs> I mean, doesn't that seem amazing? I used to think it was amazing until I spent 12 years as a district superintendent. But we are supposed to be kind. Clothe yourselves with kindness. And then, humility. Now this is a tough one. You are to clothe yourselves with humility... But but the bad news is is that y- y- you don't know if you are. If you think you are, then you're not. You have to have someone else tell you if you are. That, that's one of the tough ones. But he still says, clothe yourself with humility and and gentleness it is that it is a word that is so similar it is so close to that 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 word that Jesus uses in the sermon on the mount the meek shall inherit the earth this meekness it's unfortunate that meek rhymes with weak because we so often in our english language think of meekness as weakness meekness is not weakness it is perhaps it is perhaps one of the most the, 
demonstrable ways of showing strength. But he says, be gentle. And then, be patient. Uh, That's, you know, that's the one that whenever I read it, whenever I'm studying it, I just assume Paul would stop meddling, but be patient. And then he calls us to forgiveness and forbearance. Forgive one another. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Clothe yourselves in the fruit of the Spirit. But then there's a second part there. Verse 14. And over all these virtues... Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And I suggest to you this morning that now Paul is directing us to put on the fullness of the Spirit. Not not just the fruit of the Spirit, but now the fullness of the Spirit. This, This love... This love that is, it is only capable by God's grace. This love that is only capable in and through God's grace in our lives, in Christ Jesus, and by the fullness and the power of the Spirit of God. And it binds them all, he says, it binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul, the Apostle Paul says in other places that love is the crowning grace of all graces. That faith is expressed in love. It is the one thing that counts. Love is it is that primary fruit of the Spirit. Again, in the list in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he continues. When Jesus was questioned about the commandments, What's the greatest commandment? He said, it's this. It's love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The evidence of the life lived in the fullness of the Spirit of God is a life of love. It is as as John Wesley preached it, that perfect love, love of God and love of neighbor. Here, here's the problem. You know, Wesley got in, and, and I know, and I recognize, anytime I use that word when I'm preaching, I know that, I've, that I've, I've, I've got some simmering going on and some bubbling going on and some minds and some hearts and perfect, perfect, who, who, thinks, who thinks they're perfect. No. We, we are called to live out this perfect love. Now, hear me. We don't do it perfectly, but we are still called in the fullness of the Spirit of Christ, in the Spirit of God. We are called to to live out. Again, Wesley talked about Christian perfection, and he got a lot of flack about that too. Not that... Christians are perfect in the sense that we think of the word perfect, but living out all that 
Christ intends for us to be. To be clothed in the fruit of the Spirit and over all of that, put on love that binds them all together in perfect unity. Wow. It seems to me that if that's how Christians dressed, there might be more folks in church on Sunday morning. Just a thought. And then the call to live this life, clothe yourselves this way, and then live this life in fulfillment of the kingdom. Come back to the verses again, beginning with verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. We are called to live this, clothe ourselves, the fruit of the Spirit, putting on the fullness of the Spirit. And again, when I say putting on, it's not something that we do. That's the work of God in us. We, we bring ourselves to the one and yield ourselves as one who will receive all that God has for us. But we don't, we, we can't accomplish that in and of ourselves. We are not, we're not capable. We're not worthy. It, it, it's not, it's not our works. But we are clothed. He clothes us with the fullness of His Spirit so that we might live into the reign of Christ Jesus. Let Christ rule. Reign. Let him be Lord. We declared last Sunday, Easter Sunday, Jesus is Lord. Amen? Live that way. He is Lord. We, are, we, we live into the fulfillment of his kingdom. Now, I, I just have to, uh, I'll take a quick detour here and... and um, I'm always watching. I'm, I always watch everything. I always analyze everything. I don't always say everything I see or think, but um, um, but 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 I'm always doing that. And I'm and and I notice. So I noticed that that we have a that we have a study tonight. I'm also analyzing everything theologically. I know that's just uh, it's it's. I know it's weird. I just do it. Um, but I notice we have a study tonight, and I hope. I hope you all are a part of the Sunday night study, and I hope you come back to be a part of the study. And it's a study on the four views of the end times. So I noticed the title in the bulletin. I haven't had a chance to talk to Pastor yet, so so hang on. I'm not. I'm. I'm just going to make some comments. Not nothing. Nothing of critique here, but but I just noticed. So 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 tonight, the the one view that, that's going to be studied is ah millennialism. And, and, and in the title, it talks about the all-millennial view is the already and the not yet kingdom. Well, I, I take a little exception to that. I, I haven't studied the study, and I don't know. I, and so I, I, I may be 
you know, I may be agreeing with whatever they, they say, but um, whatever view we have of the end times events and whatever view we have of the millennial events, which may or may not exactly coincide with end times, but usually we think of them in that way. It's part of eschatology, study of end times. Um, so whether you have a premillennial or a postmillennial or a or an awe millennial view, as is going to be studied tonight, you, you can still think about, you can still recognize the already and not yet kingdom. Because that's where we're living. We're living in the already not yet kingdom. We are called, as the church, we are called to be a demonstration of what it is that God is doing and was doing in Christ Jesus, in his suffering, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, that ushered in the beginning of the reign of Jesus is Lord. But it hasn't come yet, completely, right? I don't think. If it has come in John Day, I'm selling in Nampa and moving to John Day. It hasn't come in Nampa yet, not fully, not completely. It is already, but not yet. And we, as the church, are called to be a demonstration of what it is that God intends to do. What he is doing in Christ Jesus. We are to be a demonstration to our world of a kingdom that is a different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. And so Paul says to the church, to the first century church, he says to the 21st century church, Clothe yourselves in a different way. You used to live this way, but now you clothe yourselves in the fruit of the Spirit. Put on, live in the fullness of the Spirit, and live into the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. You are a demonstration of that. And so he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and minds. Wow. What a great way to live. And that is living. Jesus is Lord. Let the peace of Christ. I love that phrase. You see, because I am convinced out of the Sermon on the Mount, out of Jesus' own teaching, that the primary influence of a kingdom citizen, the primary influence of, of, of one who is a Christian in this day and age is peacemaking. The primary influence. And, and, and have you ever noticed how often peace is associated with that life of godliness, that life of Christ-likeness, that life of holiness? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Live at peace with all men as, as, as much as lies within you. I like, I like that the writer of the Hebrews said it that way. I have often said... It, it, it makes me feel badly that there are some folks that won't let me. <clears throat> I really do want to. And the writer of the Hebrews says, as much as lies within you, live at peace. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it really upsets me when there are some folks who won't let me live at peace with them. And, and I've had to say to a few, after I've tried to be as kind as I can, if you want to fight, okay. But I'd rather not. Let, let the, as much as possible, and be holy. 
Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. As much as lies within you, live at peace with all, with all men. And then that great passage of, of, of God's work, of, of His holy work, His, His promise to us. In Paul's writing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24, and, and may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. By the way, I'm sure your pastors preached on that. You understand. I mean, that's when we when we talk doctrinally about entire sanctification. That's one of the places we look at. I don't know, through and through, entire, whatever. You can call it whatever you want. It's just kind of like all in all, through and through. It's entire. That's whatever word you want to use. Just get it. I don't care what you call it. The God of peace sanctify you through and through. And Paul wanted you to be sure that you knew what he was talking about. And may your very soul, spirit, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful he is he who calls you who also will do it. May God himself, the God of peace. I I just find that fascinating. Why did he say the God of peace? I mean, he could have said the God of righteousness. He is righteous. He could have said the holy God. He is holy. He could have said the almighty God. He is almighty. I mean, all the things that he could have said. The God of peace sanctify you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And the word of Christ, verse 16, dwell in your hearts. Folks, as best as I can see it and look at it and understand it, that is living into the kingdom. That is already and not yet being those who are citizens of another kingdom, not citizens of this world. And then it's interesting that in that same verse, He calls the church to be a community that also teaches and admonishes. So so it would be possible to just just say all of this and just say, you know, let's let's just all love one another and just tell everybody how wonderful we are. Just we'll all just come to church and just say, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay. You know, isn't it wonderful? We're all good. We, I mean, we really do like each other, right? I mean, that's why we're here. But, uh, I mean, but we just, you know, it's just all wonderful. But he says, no. The church is more than that. The church is a place where we teach. So we correct. We teach sound doctrine. And we admonish. It's not a word we use a whole lot. But it means to direct, to correct, to, again, back to the writer of the Hebrews, to spur one another on to good deeds. And I suspect we have a few horsemen here, or horsewomen. <laughs> you know what a spurs are for, right? Now, I'm not, real, I'm not real gifted at it. I'm not real experienced at it. In fact, quite frankly, I have only a couple of times ridden a horse with spurs um, for a couple of reasons. I don't trust myself, and I don't trust the horse. 
I don't trust myself to know that when I give the cue with the spur that I'm going to be giving the cue that I want to give. <laughs> he may think I'm wanting something else. You know, like instead of down this, I want you to jump over this creek. No, no I just wanted you to walk. And, and when I give the spur, I may, be, I may have been taught exactly how to do it. I, I don't trust the horse. The horse is going to know exactly what I meant to say. Do you, one of the conclusions I've come to is that in the church, one of the reasons we really struggle with this teaching and admonishing, this spurring one another on to good deeds, is sometimes it's because we don't trust. We don't trust ourselves because we know there have been times when we've tried to say something kindly to somebody and they took it the wrong way, so we just stopped doing that. Or we really did say it the right way and they took it the wrong way. But Paul is clear and our call is clear. We are to be a community that teaches and admonishes. Do you, do you see it? Does it matter what a Christian wears to church? Yeah. And it matters what a Christian wears on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Yeah, it matters. We're to clothe ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit. And over that to put on the fullness of the Spirit. Put on love that binds it all together in perfect unity. And then live into this fulfilling of the reign of Christ. The, the kingdom of Christ. So that when we declare together on the Lord's day that Jesus is Lord, our lives are a demonstration of that. So I end with a question. Have you allowed Christ to clothe you? Would you bow your heads? Lord, I pray that you would would take your word and by the power of your spirit apply it into our hearts. A, a simple message and yet it, it can be so profound. 